Green Rush Nation, we have a fabulous episode of Marijuana Today running this week featuring KCSA's very own Chris Crane, who joins friends of Green Rush Ben Larson and Heather Sullivan in diving into the recent court ruling, finding that Delta 8 THC is legal, the vetoing of legal cannabis by the governor of Delaware, the embrace of legalization by Rhode Island, and a check-in on post-legalization life in New York. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to episode 408, 408 of Marijuana Today. I'm your host, Ben Larson, and we're recording Friday, May 27th, 2021. How you doing, Marijuana Nation? Uh, have you all seen the movie Zoolander? It's like one of my favorite cult classics. I think it's a cult classic. I don't know if, how many people have actually seen it. It's kind of like, it reminds me of cannabis a little bit, where you have to like really watch it maybe twice, maybe three times to really appreciate it and get the full experience. Um, and then once you have, you can just watch it over and over and over again, at least like I did back in college. Um, you know, it's a master class, really, like Ben Stiller uh, as Derek Zoolander, Will Ferrell as Mugatu, Owen Wilson as Hansel. He's so hot right now. Um, it was just a great, great, great movie. Um, where am I going with this? I don't know. It's Friday and I'm, I'm tired. Um, but one of my favorite quotes from that movie is when Mugatu, Will Ferrell, is is on stage and he's just like comes to this revelation and he's trying to explain to everyone that all Ben Stiller's or uh, Derek Zoolander's looks are all the same. And he just goes, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. And that's how the cannabis industry makes me feel. <laughs> I do perpetually feel like I'm taking crazy pills, uh, especially this past week. Um so, yeah, I mean, for our uh, loyal listeners who tune in every week, uh, my, my first topic today won't surprise you. Uh, this past week, a panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that Delta 8 THC products are federally legal and fall under the Farm Bill's definition of hemp. Uh, shortly thereafter, the state of Minnesota greenlit THC from hemp for adult use and purchase in grocery and convenience stores. Uh, so, yeah, crazy. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get we'll get there. Uh, diving deeper uh, into legal ambiguity, uh, we'll check in on the New York uh, New York State market, uh, and 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 see how it's looking as it rolls out. Um, I I was just there for the MJ Unpacked event. Great event, by the way. Uh, shout out to shout out to George Jag and and Wendy Campbell and the team. Um, it was just really really well hosted. Um, Funny enough, I didn't have a lot of conversations about New York per se, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, really perplexing. It was, it's just uh, I, I didn't know how to feel coming away from it. And then finally, we'll round out the show with a, a tale of two tiny states, uh, Rhode Island and Delaware, uh, both seeking to legalize, both Democratic-led, both have the votes, uh, but two very different outcomes. We'll be talking about all of this and more as we get serious about cannabis business and politics. But I couldn't do it alone, so I'm joined today by two of the smartest people in the industry and movement. And two of my favorite people, period. Please welcome to the show my co-host of this here pod, Senior Licensing Manager at Cureleaf, Heather Sullivan, 
and the former president of Forefront turned director of cannabis development at KCSA and the CEO of Crane Rec. I want to get go there for a second. Uh, Mr. Chris Crane. Welcome, guys. Good to see you. Hey, good to be here. Hello, hello. So I didn't know about Crane Rack. <laughs> I just I love, love this name. This. I was like, this oh, it's like, like a, a triple name. entendre. It's like, oh, is this a reference to the train wreck that is the cannabis industry? Or is this a <laughs> reference to perhaps his favorite cannabis strain, train wreck? I and much more love. the much more the latter. Yeah. Technically it's crane wreck technically it's crane wreck enterprises. Um uh, but, it's but got yes, a little Seinfeld uh, feel to it there when you add in <laughs> the enterprises. Exactly. Well, that's why I did it. Yeah. Actually, I, 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 well, you know, because I get it's it's just my you know it's just it's what I do any of my consulting stuff under. So I get to be kind of silly with it. So yes, actually, if you want to be technical, it's Crane Rec Enterprises Incorporated. <laughs> worldwide, worldwide. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, it's just nice. sort of a catch-all for like various projects that I'm working on. I don't have a website or um, you know employees or anything. It's it's just me. Now I that should be I, your Twitter handle. That should be it is. Your it is my, oh, it crane wreck. Crane wreck has crane wreck has been my Twitter handle since I signed up for Twitter. I just don't use it, uh, but it is that is my Twitter <laughs> handle. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, many people aren't using Twitter. Uh, just the bots, as Elon has un. Un, 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 unraveled, I guess. Um, but we all knew that kind of already. All right. Well, um, I'm excited to hop in. Really appreciate you guys being here with me on a Friday. And uh, the fact that this is largely unscripted today, I'm glad you're both hosts because if I somehow like black out, you can just like pick it up and keep it going. <laughs> Seamless. Yeah. And by the way, we, we, we appreciate you accommodating my, well, both of you accommodating my Last minute change in schedule, but especially Ben, I know it's like six thirty in the morning for you. So uh, kudos to you for yeah <laughs> for for being up bright and early and uh, and doing this with us. Yeah, it's all good. It was one of those nights where my daughter had me up at two a.m., four a.m., and I just said, "Oh, I'll just uh, get get out into the office." So here I am, <laughs> and with a very large cup of coffee. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we can put some cannabinoids in this coffee. Let's see where we're at. Um, as I, I know somebody the... that does infusions. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I do too, I think. <laughs> um, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that Delta 8 THC products are federally legal just like hemp. Uh, this was the result of a trademark dispute between two D8 vape companies. Um, Here's what the three Republican-appointed judges had to say regarding the ruling. Um, regardless of the wisdom of legalizing Delta-8 TAC products, the court will not substitute its own judge policy judgment for that of Congress. Um, if lawmakers inadvertently created a loophole and didn't intend to legalize psychoactive substances such as Delta-8 THC, then it is for Congress to fix its mistake. Um, Meanwhile, earlier this month, the Food and Drug Administration issued its first set of warning letters to companies over the allegedly illegal sale of products containing Delta-8 THC and continually uh, tries to say they need more guidance from Congress, um, although Congress is pushing the FDA to provide their guidance. So I don't know. This is just awesome uh, execution by the federal government. Um, I don't know. The, the context of all of this is really interesting simply because, I mean, the FDA hasn't provided guidance on how to put CBD into food products. And so theoretically, these are both unregulated sub substances in food. It's just that one is psychoactive and one is less psychoactive or non-psychoactive, depending on, on who you ask, but uh, significantly different uh, effects. 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I you know, I, I've been very vocal about about this, and and now I'm like just getting into the realm of like utter confusion and frustration about what we're doing with the federal government. Um, Heather, what what what's your what's your take on on this recent ruling? So I guess my take is I do believe that it was the correct ruling. Um, I do believe that based on the language in the farm bill, that it was an accurate ruling. Um, but I guess I don't really like the result of the ruling because I am not a fan of having any THC product that has, um, in potentially intoxicating effects. I want to see that in the regulated market. I do not like seeing Delta eight products sold where my kid buys Skittles and that would be real skid Skittles TM huh. Mars, yeah. whoever owns Skittles. I don't even know who it is. <laughs> Skittles without a Z. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like I, I, so like I, I really struggle as a parent to be perfectly honest. I really struggle with this. Um, I'm not a huge fan, you know, if I felt that these products were being properly tested, monitored, um, that there was some level. I just know what we go through on our Delta 9 product um, and when it comes to what's required out there in the market and testing and accurate representation on our packaging and how expensive that is. I don't see a good reason why Delta 8 products or whatever other Delta products come out um, shouldn't be held to the same standards. And there is a big piece of me that doesn't even really love seeing CBD products on the market in that same fashion where it's very untested. It's unclear guidelines, no real marketing, um, no real marketing rules around it other than don't say you can treat a disease. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I get it. So it the whole thing, you know, and and then you know you're talking to a person who's in a fully legal state. So for me, whether it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that in other states where THC where there isn't access to medical marijuana or adult use marijuana products, and I I do it does make me happy to know that people are being able to get the products that help them with their ailments, uh, with their mental health, things like that. So it's really a double-edged sword for me all over. I, I hate to be the person who says like, I want to see more regulations. And I've been pretty clear on this podcast. Like I'm not a huge fan of the way that the FDA works. Um, just because it's, they, they take too long to do things uh, except for when they're prompted to do things very quickly by the president. Um, so I just don't know. Like, I think that they made the right decision. I do think that Congress needs to act. You know, we've heard it all, right? Like the easiest thing to do would just be to legalize marijuana and then we can, you know, and then we can sort it out. Right. So yeah, yeah Chris, I mean, that's I'm the, sure that's you the wild thing, a, right? It's like in, in Canada that we don't have a proliferation of Delta eight. Right. And so like legalization would, potentially very clearly solve this. Um, I mean, and I'm cr- not a big consumer of dental, of de- <laughs> dental eight of Delta eight. <laughs> That's so, an interesting I, product. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know. Um, 
you know, I, I'm a THC girl, right? Like I'm not even huge on CBD a lot of the times. Um, I'm a THC girl. So for me, I don't even really know what value a Delta, if, so let's say marijuana is legalized everywhere. Does Delta 8 have a place in the market? Is it, is, is there enough of a differentiator in it that continues to let it be its own product? Because if there's one thing that we know about cannabis and about the legal markets now is that we've, there's a lot of science that could come into yeah. what we're doing here. And I don't know if Delta eight makes it, you know, we go, you know, we go federally legal whenever that actually happens, who the hell knows does Delta eight still survive or is this just a point in time? Yeah. I mean, to, to that end, I I've, you know, we have worked with a Delta eight in the regulated market that is clean and tested and, and like held to the same standards as like all the other cannabinoids that we work with in the regulated markets. And I actually really enjoy the products because I'm kind of a lightweight myself and like the less psychoactive nature of Delta eight in comparison to Delta nine has, has actually been really nice. Um, one of the products that we, Infuse is called Wonder, and they have a, a nice mix of Delta 9, Delta 8, and CBD, um, which is, is good for someone someone like myself where you can get a, a cannabis experience without feeling a little too intoxicated, right? But the, what, the, uh, where are those products sold, Ben? I'm just curious. Like, is this something you can buy in a grocery store or is this something you have to buy? It's in a dispensary. dispensary. This okay. is a dispensary. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't want to say I don't believe in Delta 8. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. But I do like, I'll, I, I'll, I would I'll prefer. Say it. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sound off, Chris. Let's hear it, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I don't, I don't, I don't mean, look, as of right now, I don't believe in Delta 8. We have Delta 9. Humans have had experience with that for you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years. And like, I just look, I, 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 I'm being a little flippant there. Like, I don't know there, there, there may be some utility to Delta eight. I, I, I take what you're saying, you know, seriously, Ben, that you enjoy it. And, and, you know, the less psychoactive impact is fine. But like, what a stupid situation this whole thing is. Like it's, <laughs> right. it's like really for the most part, like it's, it's kind it's, it's funny and tragic. Like here we have a situation where a clearly psychoactive component of cannabis Delta eight is now legal because the federal government made an oopsie, right? And didn't realize that in legalizing hemp, they were now they were they were they were legalizing this, you know, psychoactive cousin of Delta 9 THC, the product that folks in the country have been voting in state after state after state to say that they want legal. And that still remains a schedule one substance. And we all have to jump through, you know, these crazy hoops at the state level in order to, you know, in in, in order to 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 run cannabis businesses selling Delta, you know, selling traditional THC, Delta 9 THC. And yet these, you know, fly by night operators, and I'm sure, and look, there are some good ones out there. There are some good CBD operators out there. I'm sure there are some good Delta 8 operators out there, right, Ben? It sounds like you're working with a good group, so it's not to disparage everybody. But my experience is like most of the, the operators, most of the companies that are putting out these largely unregulated CBD products and now Delta 8 products, are you know they're not regulated um the when when there's been you know random testing samples done of these products that you can buy right in the gas stations or next to the skittles right um uh, in these places like they contain all kinds of garbage right they contain pesticides they contain heavy metals they contain stuff that would never be allowed in a legal regulated market and so here's the federal government saying go ahead and use all this unregulated crap filled you know filled with all kinds of contaminants and who knows what that will allow you that will get you high but you can't use cannabis. 
Right, you can't yeah. use actual whole smoke. Like it's just, it's absolutely insane. Well, they're, they're completely ignoring the fact that these compounds are being, you know, developed in a lab using like chemical synthesis, right? And it's yep. like, it's like we were able to draw the line with like Sudafed and methamphetamines. Like, and I'm not trying to draw that equivalent. <laughs> like, to, to put away the pitchforks, please. Um, but like. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's like you're just extracting it from the plant and it's like coming from like a, you know, less than 0.3 THC, you know, source, right? Like if you if you were actually taking the hemp plant and extracting Delta-8 from it, it would be such like an infinitesimal, like, you know, amount of Delta-8. And now it's like, and now it's spawned this like movement from Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota, eh? Uh, you know, it's like uh, where it's like THC, Delta-9 and Delta-8 derived from the hemp plant it's going to be allowed to be sold in grocery stores? Like, It's so dumb. This is all so dumb. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like I said it before, it's just, it's like, is this how we back into a like unregulated adult? Use? But you're not allowed to use the cannabis plant, only the hemp plant. But like, this is like some open, like adult use market now in Minnesota. I mean, it's, it's interesting the same because, plant. Uh, it's the same plant. I mean, that's been the craziest. Like the the, the 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 hemp plant is a cannabis plant with less THC. Like that's it. They're the same species. They're just different varieties of the same plant. And of course, people are gonna figure out. Oh, you know what? There's lots of cannabinoids here. It's not just delta not just delta delta nine THC. It's not just CBD. And let's find another one that gets people high. And we'll grow this in hemp because the federal government just classified delta nine THC as a schedule one and never knew about these other cannabinoids. So now what's going to happen? So Congress is going to go back and try and fix this, and they're going to put delta eight on the on schedule one, or Congress is going to go and change the Controlled Substances Act, like. It's just crazy. Let's get this all off of the Controlled Substances Act. Let's people let people grow hemp. Let people grow cannabis. Let these companies be regulated. If a regulated company wants to grow a Delta Eight, you know, wants to produce Delta Eight infused products, cool. Let them do it. Clearly, there's a market for it, but there's not the market for it that you know, that 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 you would think based on seeing all these things in the stores. The only reason these things are available in these stores, in these gas stations, convenience stores, and whatnot, is because legal cannabis isn't available. And is you know and and, and is and, and is and, and where it is legally available is much more heavily regulated and heavily taxed and therefore more expensive. And so somebody living in you know Illinois, where I live, right, may just go to the convenience store and buy some Delta Eight garbage that's you know produced by you know God knows who and God knows how, um, rather than going to their local dispensary where they've got to pay twenty five percent tax and you know prices are high because there's only nineteen cultivators. Uh, right. And, and they're going to pay, you'll end up paying, you know, two, three times as much for a well-produced legal regulated product than this, you know, potentially adulterated, potentially synthetic garbage that you're getting at the gas station or at the convenience store. So it's funny because I took my niece last week uh, to get her medical marijuana card in Maine. As you guys know, in Maine, um, we have open uh, conditions so you can get a medical marijuana card for a number of conditions. And in Maine, unlike most other states out there, we went adult use and our patient numbers actually went up. And that's because of the difference in pricing in the different markets and availability. So our our pricing is still really high in Maine in the adult use market because we don't have as much av availability yet. So she and I went to the went to the dispensary where they were doing a med card event. 
real easy process. Um, I continue to be a medical marijuana patient because in my state, there are additional protections for me uh, as a med patient that you don't have as an adult use consumer. Uh, so we did that. And then we went over to the gas station store, you know, two, two blocks down and walked in and we, they have a little display of tobacco pipes, so to speak, and um, their CBD and their Delta eight. And I said, she, she said to me, I bought this the other day. So this is, you know, like a newer consumer. She's like, I bought this the other day. It was Delta eight. It was, you know, untested on un anything. I couldn't figure out from the package where it came from. And I was like, okay, how was it? She's like, I feel like I got scammed. So yep. let's also like take into consideration consumers, particularly new consumers into the space. You know, those of us that have been doing this for a while, we can, we can, we know what we like and what we want. You know, I think Chris was, is a great example of that. I'm a great example of that. Um, ben, you're a great example where you like the Delta 8. But a brand new consumer, which look, in our industry, we need to continue to bring brand new consumers in. If they buy a Delta 8 product, they don't even know. Trust me, there's no one in my life that understands the difference between Delta 8 and Delta 9 other than me. Right. And because we deal with this on a day to day basis, my dad doesn't know. My niece doesn't know. They're not paying attention to that stuff. And it upsets me to think that consumers are going in there. Patients are going in and getting a product that isn't as reliable as a true cannabis product that, yes, you might have to pay a little bit more for. Um, I'd like to even the playing field out a little bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> Concern in question. <laughs> um, you know, it's like the the FDA has been so incapable of actually providing guidance on like CBD alone. And now the uh, operators in the broader space are exploiting loopholes faster than the FDA can even plug plug one. So it's like, are, I mean, what's the outcome here? Are, are, are we going to get to a state where they're going to be forced to do a broader like approach to this? And, and uh, maybe like Congress pushes for federal legalization, but or are we just going to be in this like continual like shithole of like craziness and confusion? Um, yeah, I don't that, know, like that, the, la the latter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Congress is not Congress. Congress is not going to take a look at the situation and go, you know what? We just need to legalize marijuana now. Like that's not going to get 10 Republican votes for legalization. Right. That's probably not going to change Joe, you know, Joe Manchin's position on this or um, Jean, uh, uh, Jean Shaheen in New Hampshire, who said she's opposed to legalization. Right. I mean, there's a handful of Democrats that aren't there yet. They're not going to change their position on this just because you could buy Delta eight in a gas station. Like if, if Congress is going to do anything and if passes precedent, which it generally is right, we know what Congress is going to do. They're going to pass more prohibition laws. They're going to make all this stuff illegal. They're going to start cracking down on producers of it. And then they're going to find the next cannabinoid Delta seven or Delta 10 or whatever the next synthetic, you know, the next, the next synthetic is that'll get people high just in a little bit of a shittier way than they would if they could get regular cannabis. Because that's what the, you know, that's what these, you know, these illicit market or gray markets will do is they're going to find the next thing and they're going to find the next loophole. And as long as we leave cannabis illegal, there's going to be loopholes to, like these to exploit. We saw it with Spice and K2. They cracked down on that stuff. They changed the formula of the, uh, you know, of, of those synthetic, you know, the synthetic cannabinoids. They cracked down on that. They changed the formula again, right? Those things still exist. And now those things are being replaced by Delta 8. You're going to see a crackdown on that, right? Obviously, the, you know, the DEA can't do it themselves now because of the Ninth Circuit. I doubt the Supreme Court 
jumps in on this one, um, right? It's just not a bit. It's just not going to be a big enough issue for them. So it's going to be up to Congress. And if Congress, if Congress is going to do anything, it's going to suck. Um, but more than likely, they're not going to do anything, and we're just going to be stuck in this in this you know silly situation for a while, where you know particularly budget conscious consumers or consumers in states where where cannabis is not legal um, are just going to keep buying this garbage. Or people in locations where it might be legal, but they can't, but there's no place to buy it around them because municipalities yep. haven't haven't yep. opted in. You know, we're seeing we saw that that interesting um, California put out their like new map that shows like how many you know how many municipalities are allowing cannabis. Now this is California, the state where marijuana is everywhere <laughs> everywhere right but but it's still only um 44 of the cities and counties allow at least one cannabis business type that does not mean that 44 percent of cities and counties allow you to retail retail is the hardest to get past at a local level i am curious chris and you can probably answer this question pretty easily for me what happens in the states that have already done things like banned Delta 8 being sold in grocery stores and stuff. Does that now go away because it's federally illegal? No, I, it's a good question. I would think the states would still have the ability to say you can't sell that here. Yep. Be because so uh, yeah, because the, things, the FDA yeah. still hasn't provided guidance on, like, just the same as those states creating structure for CBD in food, right? California just went through this process. And so it's like California could very easily be like, okay, CBD is allowed in food, but we're not going to allow Delta 8, right? Because the FDA has refused to provide any guidance so i'll be honest in my pers from my perspective i think that's what's going to happen is we're just going to see more states making different choices about things like delta eight some states are going to care some states are going to ban it some states are going to put a regulatory uh, regulatory structure around it some states are just are going to say it's illegal but not put any enforcement action against it and we'll kind of be in the same place we are with marijuana <laughs> In that it's impossible to do anything on a national level. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe this is a broader political discussion about the eventual <laughs> unraveling of the federal government. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whew. Anywho, uh, before we go there, <laughs> thank you for uh, the, the dose of optimism. Uh, it'll be a fun next year, two, three, five, ten. Anywho, uh, Let's take a Look, pause. There we'll, are <laughs> great things that are like, but there are great, exciting things that are happening in cannabis too. So there are, there are, mm -hmm. which we'll get to, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> we will at some point. Um, I don't know. I always take it down the pessimistic route for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm jaded. You were so optimistic when we first started podcasting with you. It has not I mean, taken long at all. <laughs> I, I'm still here, so inherently I'm optimistic. Um, or just a glutton for punishment. I don't know. Maybe. And both. I was probably the, I'm probably one of the worst Pollyannas still to this day, but even I feel, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we're a couple of years in on Biden's, I, the last podcast I did, we talked about this. We're a couple of years in on Biden and he, you know, he let seven people, you know, commute their seven. sentences, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. Like, okay. All right. You know, I, I really thought, really thought, and you know, I will say for Chris, who said all along, don't think that Biden's going to do anything big on cannabis because Chris Crane, once again, 
as much as he doesn't like to have that crystal ball, he knows the stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was not a. That, I mean, that was not exactly a bold prediction, saying that Biden was going to. You know, Biden was not going to be a big ally in marijuana. That's true. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's kick it over to Shay to hear from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, a little bit more cannabis ambiguity. Shay? We're very thankful to have the support of our friends over at Hedgerow Analysis. If your legal marijuana company needs location-specific data-centered projections to help you plan and grow your business, look no further than Hedgerow Analysis. They have all kinds of fancy computer models backed up by smart blocks of relevant data to help you work out things like where the best place to build your dispensary would be. Or maybe you need help citing a distribution network to ensure maximum profitability for a delivery service. Whatever your location-based strategic problems are, it's likely that Hedgerow Analysis can help you solve them. Pop over to hedgerowanalysis.com to learn more about the company's capabilities and to get in touch. That's hedgerowanalysis.com. Welcome back, folks. All right. So I was just out in New York, uh, like I mentioned, for the MJ Unpacked event. And man, there, there was a lot of energy. It was a, a lot of brands coming in from out of state, you know, boothing or displaying as they at, as they do at this conference. And um, for, for me, it actually caused a little bit of anxiety uh, because... I'm the type of person that likes to know like a path of execution, like how to build a business under current regulatory structures, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and New York doesn't have that yet. Like we don't have the necessary licenses to create in a, a full uh, supply chain. Um, there's a lot of confusion about like who's going to get licensed and what that rollout's going to look like. And then just the sheer fact that I was walking around the streets and it felt more legal than any state I've been in, including California, like weed, <laughs> I, I'm smoking a joint walking down the street with my friend. Like, I'm like, I mean, this is pretty cool. You walk by a dispensary that says no license necessary. And it's just like, oh, there's already dispensaries here. And then you get invited to a, a speakeasy consumption lounge later in the evening. And of which I guess you can go on Google and search, search for. So I mean, I guess it's legal already in New York, which begs the question, which we've suffered through in many states, is what is this uh, switchover going to look like? And how is a, a regulated market going to persist if the market's already there? Um, have, have you guys been hanging out in New York at all? This was like this is my first time back in New York since since the since the pandemic. So I, I guess I was just like just dumbfounded to see like how far it had progressed. I was in New York, I think in January. And uh, I, I was also, I was dumbfounded, but I will also say 
I'm not aware of any market. So, you know, one of the things that happened in New York, I think this week was that um, they've put some more clear rules around cannabis gifting, right? And this is how things like the dispensaries are operating out there fully out in public is that they're using this gifting model. I know in Maine, so as as regular listeners have heard me say, Maine took the longest amount of time to go from law passage to actually opening a store. Took like four years. During that interim period, I think Chris kind of spoke to it during our last segment. During that interim period, people are going to find a way to do their business or to start their businesses, um, whether or not it's with a, with a piece of paper from the state government saying that you're allowed to do it. What is frustrating to me, what I find frustrating now, we have legalized adult use marijuana in enough states that New York should have known that there was a potential of this happening and could have addressed it in their statute writing or in their initial rulemaking. Right. So that way, what happens here is that once you get a foothold in having the illegal market, which is what's going on right now, that foothold is building up. They're building brand loyalty. I mean, look at D.C. Like you're building brand loyalty. You're building um, a customer customers who are starting to create habits in going to that particular store. Um, What you're doing is you're making it even harder for us to stop black market sales by a taking too long to get your regulatory structure in place or to implement it. And by not taking, it feels like every state wants to start over from scratch. They want to make sure that, you know, I heard, I've heard regulators say this so much. We want to do it right. There is no right in this. Okay. So we have states that have been federally legal for, 10 years now uh adult use 10 years now like do some of the things that those states did why are we reinventing the wheel every time and then surprised when something happens like what's happening in new york where i mean i was shocked and i and i was there in the dead of winter it was freezing cold day and you know they were like the sign spinners outside like trying to get you to go into the dispensary you know like and it was like a cannabis ice cream truck outside of like grand central (laughs) yes exactly um which i love the idea of a cannabis ice cream truck like (laughs) don't get me wrong i'm loving that but i want cannabis bought and sold in a regulated market yeah so hurry up new york that's what i have to say hurry it up why well, it's just like what you know what isn't clear to me is like what is the pathway for these these businesses to go legal right the the first 150 retail licenses are are going to go to to equity applicants uh which is not inherently a bad thing but when you have 80 plus you know unregulated dispensaries they aren't going to go away unless you enforce them out but i don't i don't think Tremaine Wright is going to lean largely into enforcement. I don't, that's not a big part of her platform. So, you know, like we're getting into like, you know, just a very sticky situation. Uh, Chris, like, you know, <laughs> additional thoughts here? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to, I, I mean, I guess I don't want to make too big of a deal out of this. Um, 
because it, it feels like what we've seen in a lot of states when they first launched their markets, um, right? And but both medical and adult use, right? And we saw, I remember seeing this in Arizona when, you know, when they first launched their, their medical market and there were all these unregulated dispensaries that popped up. And, you know, you look around now and like that doesn't exist there anymore, Um Right. It's still in D.C. because D.C. doesn't have the regulated market. So, look, as long as there's as long as there's cannabis consumers, there's going to be people who are going to provide them cannabis. And that's been going on for, you know, forever. Right. Pre-prohibition, during prohibition. Right. I grew up in New York City. I you know, did not have a problem getting you know getting a hold of weed in new york um you know i i i was uh, you know i was talking with um you know, we were down at benzinga in miami a few weeks ago i was interviewing uh brett novi the ceo of pharmacan um uh, during a, se- a session, and uh, he was talking about this issue, and you know how much uh, sort of unregulated uh, 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 sales activity there is in New York right now, and that you can go into you know Washington Square Park, and they have these farmers markets with people with tables set up, and you know they're selling a you know a, a, a you know a, a, a pen for sixty dollars, and you get a free eighth with it or whatever. And it's like, but, you know, people selling weed in Washington Square Park is no new thing, like. People were selling plenty of weed in Washington Square Park when you know when I was a kid. Only you know when I went to buy weed in Washington Square Park, I didn't know when I walked away if I was getting weed or oregano, right? And you know now <laughs> or you're arrested, you're, right? Right now you're probably <laughs> actually getting weed, right? <laughs> but uh, but you know what we what we what we what we see what we see in these states is that once the legal market gets up and running, right? Once the businesses get get licensed, once the dispensaries are actually like the actual dispensaries are open, then these these you know. I would call them gray market, but they're they're not really right. I mean, they're just straight, kind of straight illicit market. But they're taking advantage of loophole, you know, the gifting loopholes in the law. Um, they tend to go away because what happens is the legal participants who've had to pay a whole lot of money to, you know, get licensed and go through compliance and jump through all the hoops, right? They wind up being the ones that complain um, and bring this to their elected officials, and you start to see, you know, you start to see a crackdown and and. My hope is that the crackdown is through code enforcement rather than through um, you know, law enforcement. Um, I don't want any of these people getting arrested, right? Like, yeah, yes, they probably shouldn't be doing what they're doing, but they're providing a public service, right? In that they're, you know, they're providing cannabis to people who want it in the absence of a legal and regulated market, which, you know, still does not exist in New York today. And the reality is like legal regulated markets take time to get up and running, um, right? They always do. You have, a, you have to set up, you know, regulatory structures. You have to go through licensing. You, the businesses have to raise capital. They have to build out, you know, grows have to build out their, the, the cultivators have to build out their grows. They actually have to grow plants, right? You can't do that in a, in a, in a, in a day, right? So you even once you get testing. to that point, they got to pass testing, they got to package, they got to distribute, blah, blah, blah. So this takes time. It takes a while for these things to get up and running, even, even in states that want to do it as quickly as possible, which to New York credit, Right. They do seem to be moving relatively quickly in terms of trying to implement the law. Um, and so, you know, once this is up and running and established, I think this, this you know, this type of activity is largely going to fall by the wayside. And in the meantime, like this is the kind of silliness that we have to deal with while these programs are being implemented. Right. The penalties are lessened. So, of course, um, the you know, these operators are they're going to be more brazen. Right. Because they know they can do this. And, hey, if there's a crackdown, they're probably not going to go to jail for it like they might have if they were running, a, you know, an old, an old fashioned weed delivery service. Um, so, of course, they're going to take that risk and people are going to buy it 
right? Because of course they are, because they want weed, because they like it, right? Because it's it's because it's good and it's fun, and we all like it. That's why we're on this podcast. Um, and so yeah, this is it's going to go on for a while. Now, look, New York could have. Like they could have dealt with some of this in advance, taken lessons from other states, right? Heather's point is is valid there, um, but you know, but you could only do that to a degree. Like, what are you going to? You're going to ban gifting? Like, I don't want to ban gifting, no. right? Like, people should be able to gift cannabis. Like, people like cannabis. People like getting gifts about things that they get, getting gifts of things that they like. And you know, when cannabis is legal, like I'll tell you, you know, I remember when when we first legalized cannabis in Massachusetts, and I was still you know living there, and um, you know that campaign was like run out of was run out of my office, out of the forefront office, in, in on State Street in downtown Boston, and you know we made it legal, and then that. December, uh, right a month later, like that that part of the law went into effect right away, but the you know the 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 commerce part of it didn't, and so you know we took our staff out for you know we 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 went to we, we took staff out for dinner, we went to see the new Star Wars movie that was released that that December, and like you know me and one of my partners like we bought an eighth of weed. Um, now we were able to buy it legally uh, from the medical markets then, but at that point it's in our possession. You're still out to gift it, and we gifted an eighth of weed to everybody in the you know an eighth of mm-hmm. cannabis to everybody in the office, and like that was great. They loved it. It. They were appreciative of it. They deserved it. And they all worked, you know, worked hard for, you know, both the company and, you know, and volunteered their time to help make weed legal. Like it was great to be able to, to, to gift that to them. So we don't want to ban gifting, but unless you ban gifting, how do you stop this kind of stuff? Because it's a loophole. Like gifting was never meant to say, if you buy a t-shirt from me for $55, I'm going to give you an eighth. <laughs> like that's clearly not the, you know, the spirit or the letter of the law. Um, so how do you, you know, how do you ban that? You just, you crack down through code enforcement, um, right? You, you, you give fines, you give tickets. If somebody, you know, repeatedly violates the rule, like maybe you, you know, maybe you, you, you arrest them, but don't charge, actually charge them criminally, right? Just to give them a little scare. And I, even that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but there, but I, I just, I, I know, uh, sorry, long-winded answer, but I just don't want to get too worked up over something like this because like we all know how this is going to play out. We just need to give the state time to roll out the regulated markets. And once that happens, right, we're going to find a good, we're going to get to a good place here. Isn't it crazy, Chris? Like the first time you get to legally smoke weed with your employees. (laughs) I know I'm a little bit off topic here, but like that's such a great moment. Well, especially in regards to New York, like out on the street, out on the sidewalk, it's like walking down like the middle of Manhattan. It's like it's pretty, pretty epic, like just like to not be looking over your shoulder and to feel very normal doing so. Because yes. every other person is doing it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Although it's I still o- look over my shoulder, I cannot stop that piece of it. I've. I, it was just so much ingrained in me. Um, but the public consumption option in New York, I talk a lot about that in my own home state. Uh, when we passed adult use initially in 2016. Uh, we did pass social consumption lounges and then in our state, the legislature revamped the law that was passed by the voters to fit their, what they wanted. So they actually just took social consumption out of the equation and we're a heavily tourist state. So similar to Vegas, similar to some areas in California, we want to have a place where people the first time anyone's ever said Maine is similar to Vegas. (laughs) I was was just going to raise my hand. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Maine and Vegas and California. I'm like, that's a stretch. No, we all make a lot of our revenue from the tourist market. (laughs) That's what the similarity is. Um, 
And like California has the best. Well, I wouldn't say I'm not I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> so, for you know, for us. So, like, I've been revisiting this issue and, and there is no appetite right now um, to kind of go back to the voters. Uh, or there's no appetite, no money right now to go back to the voters and say, let's put social consumption lounges back. You know, let's get that up and running. But I was thinking about this and like realistically for me. And a lot of the people I know, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to go out with my friends and be able to consume cannabis like in a bar. So I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that the actual I think this might be more palatable in a state like Maine is that what if we just allow business owners that have the ability to allow tobacco smoking. So in Maine, if you own a business and you have a yard, an outdoor patio, you are allowed to let people smoke cigarettes there. Why don't we just say business owners can also get a additional $50 permit, whatever it takes to say, you can also smoke marijuana in my, at my, uh, Oh, what's that game? Cornhole. At my, co- you know, in at <laughs> cornhole. At, 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 now I'm really talking. Now, now you know what we do here in Maine. We play cornhole. And You're I, painting a good picture here. <laughs> yeah, and like literally, you know, I go, I go to a little local bar that's here in my small town. We've only got a couple of them, and it never fails. The poor bar owner, every freaking night, he's like, Heather, can you please not smoke pot out here? I just, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. Can you, you know, go to your car. Go, go away a little bit and I'm like of course I've had a few drinks by this point too I'm always like Roger if I can get the law changed so that we're allowed to smoke pot back here will you let me do it so now I've like committed to trying to get the laws changed in Maine just so that I can go and smoke pot in the backyard of my bar so who wants to join me (laughs) I like cornhole yeah Um, So, yeah. So I think that, you know, I love what New York says, which is if you can smoke cigarettes someplace, you can smoke tobacco, you can smoke marijuana. Done. So sensible. It's so so easy. It doesn't and it doesn't require a regulatory structure. The business owner can choose if they want to give that option to their customers. They can. If you don't want to give that option to your customers, if you think it's going to impact your sales numbers or that you're worried about impairment and that you can't judge impairment. But I'll tell you, every bartender out there is judging impairment of someone who might have drank alcohol and smoked weed. Like I'm mm-hmm. let's or let's some not, other substance. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's my soapbox yeah. for that one. Well I appreciate it. And and I appreciate Mr. Crane's uh infusion of optimism. Um <laughs> my my hope is that when we do go through that transition that they do at least create a way that the regulated market isn't being, you know, undercut by an unregulated market like we're experiencing in, in California um, with all the Delta 8 and Delta X products. Um, so we'll see. Still excited Delta about New York. X. What's a Delta X product? I was just like 10, 7, you know, oh, okay, oh. good, good. HHC, what, what, yeah. what you know, I thought, since, all, since, I thought maybe <laughs> since we started recording here, they came up with some new, uh, some new variant that uh, it'll come about. out next week. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, oh, we're getting a time. scoop from Mr. Yeah. Larson on no, that. No, one. no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no scoops. Uh, I'm merely a purveyor of the news, uh, of which we'll continue with segment three when we come back. But first, a note from Shay and one of our sponsors. 
We're glad to be supported this week by our friends over at The Atlantic Farms of Portland, Maine. Perhaps best known around our state as the medical dispensary where you can also fill your car up with gas. The folks behind The Atlantic Farms have a strong ethic of taking care of their customers, which is reflected in the high quality products they sell for hugely affordable prices. If you're lucky enough to find yourself up here in Maine, you need to swing by and check out their shop if you have not yet. You can find out more about where to find The Atlantic Farms over at theatlanticfarms.com. That's theatlanticfarms.com. This past Tuesday, the Democratic governor of Delaware announced that he has vetoed a bill to legalize marijuana uh, that the legislature uh, sent to his desk earlier this month. Meanwhile, the governor of Rhode Island signed a bill on Wednesday to legalize marijuana, making it the 19th state to end prohibition. So we have a million people now having access to cannabis and another million that might have to wait a little bit longer. Well, at least we got the the more populous state of the two. I think I think Rhode Island leads Delaware by about a hundred thousand people at the at the moment. <laughs> um, it's just crazy. I, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like a, a a Democratic governor really taking a kind of prohibitionist position and just having really kind of outdated language. Um, governor Carney said that. I do not believe that promoting or expanding the use of recreational marijuana is in the best interest of the state of Delaware, especially for young people. Questions about the long-term health and economic impacts of, of recreational marijuana use, as well as serious law enforcement concerns remain unsolved or unresolved. Boo this man. I mean, like, seriously, like, <laughs> Boo. economic impact, law enforcement, kids, like, these are such old talking points. Like, I I don't know what like pisses me off more is just like the fact that you know he vetoed this <laughs> for the state of Delaware, or the fact that like Sam or like you know smart approaches for marijuana get to clock a win. Like this, like it's like they really got into his head somehow. Well, let's not you know let's not undersell the fact that this is a Delaware governor isn't our president who is also a Democrat, who has basically taken the Ooh. same position. Isn't he also, wasn't he also a Delaware senator? Um, so I'm wondering if there isn't maybe a little bit more politics at play with this one. Um, because you're right, Ben, those are outdated 
positions. Those are outdated. Um, those those are things that Chris Crane managed to deal with as an advocate, you know, before I even jumped into any of the, before you and I even thought about coming into the cannabis space, Chris had already dealt with, you know, things like harm, harmful to youth um, and, you know, law enforcement concerns. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I do talk to a number of law people in law enforcement about this topic. I've never heard anyone say, oh, we shouldn't legalize marijuana. Most law enforcement officers that I speak to say, yeah, it would make my job a hell of a lot easier if we didn't have to go after people for for marijuana use. Yeah, it's just the people in like the narcotics divisions that uh, and even them, they they sometimes don't care. Um, but yeah, I mean, what the, what the fuck? Like this is a democratic governor of a northeastern like deep blue state. Delaware I don't like I don't know if there are deeper politics and I, and I will say like I'm not I haven't followed this super close right I'm not in, in in like informed of the inner workings of Delaware politics but I mean Carney has said from the time he was campaigning that he was opposed to legalization um so he's been consistent with this I just think he's just old school and out of date right out of date out of touch on this stuff um and it's it's maddening because it, it like there's there's no political benefit to him in doing this. Right. Cannabis legalization is overwhelmingly popular. It's especially overwhelmingly popular among Democrats. And he is a Democrat in a in a in a blue state. So I just I think this actually comes down to he doesn't like it and he doesn't believe in it. And I, I think it's probably that simple. And it's it's really baffling that we're, you know, that we're having this conversation in, you know, 2022 uh, about, a, a, you know, a Democratic governor vetoing legalization. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't Governor Scott in Rhode Island, or sorry, in, in Vermont, you know, vetoing legalization a few years ago as a Republican governor in a, in a largely blue state um, who even he came around and signed legalization a few years later. Right. He said it was about. You know, Scott said it was about the details, right? And he didn't like the way that the Vermont legislature had 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 written legalization. And he then went and worked with them after the fact to change the law and give him a law that he would feel more comfortable signing. Granted, it's a worse law, but whatever. Like that's that's politics. Um, uh, the I don't see any indication here. And again, maybe I'm wrong because I don't know the inner workings of Delaware politics, but I don't see any indication here that. Carney is is you know going to work with the legislature to craft a bill that he's going to be more comfortable with. He just flat out says he doesn't want it, and unfortunately for you know the people of Delaware and the cannabis consumers in particular of Delaware, it sounds like they're just going to have to wait wait out this jackass's term. Chris, do you think that we're at a point now where a Democratic governor vetoing something that comes uh, you know legalization efforts? is actually going to harm him. You know, before we used to talk about, oh, if you support legalization, that might have an impact on on your political future. I mean, we must be getting pretty close to the point where people must now... I So I tend to be a fairly... I'm not a single-issue voter, but I'm a, a small-issue voter. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I would actually, depending on who the who they're running against. I mean, I would consider not voting for the Democrat. And I think listeners on this show know that I tend to run pretty democratic. Um, so do you think that it's starting to have the opposite effect where it's actually going to be negative for him to come out like this? 
Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think it. I think Good. it is. Good. That's um, what we want. Yeah, that's absolutely what we want. I mean, this is it. This is a very popular issue. No, look, I don't think there are a lot of voters out there that are voting based on the cannabis issue alone. Um, right. So to be to be fair there. So I don't know how much this is going to hurt him. I don't know how popular he is or is not uh, among, you know, among among Del- Delawareans. What do you call people from Delaware? Um, Delaware? <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> yeah. Delawareers. Delawareers. Sure. Let's call him that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how popular he is in general amongst the people of Delaware for other political reasons. He may be quite popular, but I could see this being a reason why, you know, some other ambitious Democratic Delaware politician would run against him in a Democratic primary. That's probably his big, you know, that would probably be his, his biggest, um, uh, 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 or his biggest liability here would be a primary challenge rather than a general election challenge. Um, and I think there are, you know, there are probably going to be, you know, there, and, and look, and there, there probably needs to be other issues than just this. But if he, you know, if he does something else that's sort of anti-progressive, he's probably inviting a, a, a primary challenge from somebody on the left um, to or to his left um, or just or even a more, you know, or, or another sort of, you know, mainstream, you know, relatively moderate Democrat who you know can calm the task on this? I think he's I think he's opening himself up to political liability. It's not a prediction by any means that like this is going to sweep him out of office when he's up for re-election. I don't even know when that is. Right, it's next year, or a couple of years later. Um, but it it creates a liability for him for no real reason. Like there's no political benefit to him doing this. He's not you know he's it, 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 and look you could even see a Republican challenger right because this is a Northeast state right if he's gonna if he he might get a a challenge from a very moderate republican um right who 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 could be good on this issue right in favor because those are a lot more republicans now in favor of legalization especially younger republicans you know think uh you know and look neither of them are particularly good on this issue but you know i'm thinking about like a charlie baker type from massachusetts uh, larry hogan from maryland these you know these types of uh, socially liberal-ish, uh, you know, fiscally more conservative, uh, but generally very moderate-type Republicans that have shown how they can win in the Northeast. If he runs against somebody like that, right, a Charlie Baker type who's pro-legalization and unabashedly pro-legalization, and there are plenty of Republicans who are, you know, he could lose to a Republican. Like, that's how Republicans win in the Northeast these days. So uh, the, the, the question I have, though, is the, the Will it even go that far? Because uh, Kyle Yeager at Marijuana Moment pointed out that the legislator legislature could still override the veto um, because it it's already received more than three fifths of the vote in both the chambers, and I I believe that's all that would be required to to overrule the decision. Well, there you go. I mean, that would be yeah. you know if 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 this is if this has a veto proof majority, then this becomes law without his signature. Um, in which case. In which case, he's missed an opportunity to gain political points with his voter base, and and particularly with the Democratic Party constituency by supporting something that he knows that he knows is going to become law anyway. So again, it just points to I think he's doing this out of a matter of some kind of personal principle. Um, you know, I don't know, like I don't know who like who beat him with a bale of marijuana when he was a kid or something that makes him you know, hates this hate this so badly, but. Um, I just don't see any other benefit here, especially if this thing's going to survive, is able to survive a veto, um, to be, you know, be great, right? I mean, great for the people of Delaware. If this thing is passed by a veto proof majority in both houses, 
that does and look, I will say that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to survive the veto. It now has to go back to both houses. And you may have members of the Democratic Party in in either house that don't want to you know, that don't want to lose favor with the governor. Maybe they need the governor to support some other bill that they that they care more about, um, that they're working on some pet project that they need funding from that the governor can withhold if, if he thinks that these that they've crossed him. I mean, who knows? Right. This is this is small state politics. So you do often see bills that pass with large majorities, and this is around the country, not Delaware specific, that get vetoed, that go back to the legislature, that get fewer votes uh, when it comes to overriding the veto. So there's no guarantee that that happens, Um, but hopefully it does, right? Because the people of Delaware deserve this just like the people of every other state in the country deserve this, and like, fuck this guy for holding that up from them. Hopefully the legislature has the guts to stand up to him and keep their votes in place. Amen. Amen. And confirming... Uh, we are pulling for Delawareans. Um, just there we official. go. All right, I was right. Delawareans. I like Delawareans. <laughs> That's even better. We should. We should. We should. Somebody should start a. Uh, I don't know. Change dot org petition or something to officially get their name changed to Delawareans because that would be cool. But hey, let's let's also not lose sight of of Rhode Island. Um, Yay, Rhode, Rhode Island! Rhode, no, finally, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I'd lo- yeah, I would love to, would love to, love to just spend a minute on Rhode Island because I mean, this is one for for those of us in the in the advocacy community here. Like we've been following Rhode Island for a long time. I mean, if you go back to go back to the archives of the show, um, and I think this is—I mean, you can go back far enough, like before either of you were even on the show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where we were, you know, we were making predictions about who was going to be the first state to legalize via the legislature, and this was back in like 2014. And I think that you know the consensus was it was going to be Rhode Island. Like they they were they were talking about this in the early 20 teens. Um, they were the I believe the first state uh, to do it via the legislature. No, they weren't the first state to do it legislature for medical, but they were they were they were one of the early ones. Maine actually was the fir- uh, was it Maine or Hawaii? Uh, either Maine. Maine or Hawaii, it, it was Maine for, the, yep. for medical. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah. Um, uh, but Rhode Island was pretty, you know, was pretty came pretty soon after. And so, so many of us thought that you know Rhode Island was going to be the first state to do it via the legislature, and now they're like what the ninth, um, eighth, something like that. Um, maybe not quite that many, but there. But you, you know, you've had what uh, Illinois, Vermont, Virginia, New York, New Jersey. Um, no, uh, no, Maine did it via ballot initiative. Yeah, we did ballot. Um, Connecticut. Connecticut, yep, yep. Don't forget Connecticut. Um, so, yeah, so they're like sixth or seventh now um, to, to have done it. Uh, and, 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 you know, look, it took forever. Um, and, you know, huge shout out to the activists on the ground in Rhode Island who've been working this for years and years, for literally for decades. You know, Jarrett Moffitt, I want to call him out in particular. Jarrett's been running that campaign on the ground there with very little funding for a long time um, to try and get this done there. I mean, really, you know, just, just, just good people. And going all the way back to RIPAC, um, uh, which was the the organization that like got medical through in the first place, uh, which was you know made up of a bunch of SSD peers, including Tom Angel, right? Marijuana Moments own Tom Angel Tom. Uh, was one of the founders at RIPAC, along with folks like Jesse Stout and. Um, and a whole crew. I mean, we had an amazing crew of uh, SSD peers at both Brown and the University of Rhode Island that were really responsible for kicking off this whole campaign. You know, now 15-ish years ago, um, or more, or gosh, maybe maybe even more. Um, so there's a lot of folks that have been working for a long time, and also I think it's very cool that 
it was Thomas Slater uh, Jr. who uh, was the lead sponsor of the legalization bill in Rhode Island. It was his father that uh, sponsored the medical marijuana bill. Um, the reason why the, the main the main uh, uh, dispensary in Providence is called the the Slater Center is named after Thomas Slater. He was the long time he was a longtime champion of medical marijuana in the state. Um, he passed away right after that bill passed. Uh, the medical bill passed, and his son is now in the legislature and ended up championing legal championing legalization all these years later. So, just you know, kudos to Rhode Island for finally joining the party here. I know it took longer than anyone thought but um you know we're glad we're glad to have you on board really you know i'm really thrilled to see you know northeast northern new england in particular you know now we are almost fully legal here in yeah, this just part of new the hampshire country. we're just, just missing new, new hampshire. hampshire yeah and otherwise new- all of new, you got all of new england yep yeah and new hampshire small enough that it can anyone who's in new hampshire can actually just go to vermont or go to maine or go to massachusetts and buy their marijuana yeah but they shouldn't have to right? no like, absolutely <laughs> no but i mean but they just you know they just voted down another you know they just went through another entire legislative session talking about marijuana legalization and then in new hampshire you know it went nowhere um, well, and how crazy is it that the, the, the live free or die state is the only state in New England now without legal cannabis? Right. That's wild. Right. <laughs> oh, well, just to keep the conversation equitable, do you guys uh, do you guys know what you call someone from Rhode Island? I went to Rhode college Islander. in Rhode Island. I should know They're that. Rhode Islander. Rhode Islander is is one of the terms or you can call them Rhodians. Uh, which I just Rhodians. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Rhodians. <laughs> All right. I like that. Very good. Well, hooray for uh, Rhode Island and boo Delaware. <laughs> yeah, congrats all you Rhodians and Delaware and 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 sorry Delawareers. Yes, sorry. yes. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that wraps up segment three. We're gonna take one more quick break, and when we return, finishing moves. Folks, now it's time for my favorite part of the show, finishing moves. Finishing moves. Finishing moves is the part of our show where our illustrious guests can talk about anything they wish. So, Heather, what's on your mind? Well, Ben, hey, uh, it is the start of Memorial Weekend. Uh, Historically, in the fine state of Maine, this is the kickoff to the summer season, the summer tourist season. So I welcome folks out there who are looking to do a little vacationing uh, to come on up to Maine this summer. We've got a lot more store retail stores open this year than we had last year at this time. Our prices have come down a little bit on adult use marijuana. Uh, and, of course, we have things like lobster. Um, I do want to say, you know... 
Memorial Day or Memorial Weekend is a time for us to honor those who um, gave their lives in war. Um, one thing I didn't really realize, but there's actually a national moment of, of remembrance at 3 p.m., whatever your local 3 p.m. time is, on Monday. So I encourage everyone to take a little bit of a minute, remember those um, heroes who have fallen, and let's not forget that um, veterans still can't go to their VA doctors and get a medical marijuana recommendation. So let's continue that fight as well. And I wish you guys an awesome weekend. Thanks so much, Likewise. Heather. Yeah. So, so light one up at 3 p.m. on Monday. Everybody. That's right. <laughs> All right. Mr. Crane. All right. So my finishing move today, I want to give a... Uh, well, shout out to uh, uh, will we'll hopefully be one of the next uh, states to legalize where I'm pretty sure we know the name of these folks, South Dakotans um, uh, in the uh, great state of. Uh, well, I would say the southern half of the great state of Dakota. I still refuse to recognize them as two separate states. It's um, been a longstanding uh, beef of mine um, with the state of Dakota. Um, but the folks in the southern half of Dakota, uh, it looks like, are going to have a opportunity to vote on uh, legal marijuana in November. Uh, South Dakotans for Better Marijuana Laws, uh, SDBML. It's a mouthful. Um, collected the uh, the the ballot uh, or the signatures needed to get the initiative on the ballot for November. Uh, amazingly, in South Dakota, they needed sixteen thousand nine hundred and sixty-one um, uh, signatures to get on the ballot. Um, that's like a block in New York City. Um, <laughs> But uh, but enough to make the ballot in South Dakota. Um, so huge kudos to the folks at South Dakotans for better marijuana laws. All you know, cheekiness about your state aside, um, really awesome job. And uh, hopefully, folks will turn out in force in uh, in November to uh, to to uh, to vote for legalization. I should mention again, again right? Because if folks yeah. yes, if if folks think that they've heard this this song before, they have. Right? South Dakota voters approved legalization during the 2020 election, but the state Supreme Court voted it down on uh, technical grounds following a challenge from uh, the, the governor, Christy Nome. So, like, boo, Christy Nome, fuck you. Um, you suck, Christy Nome, for uh, undermining the will of the voters. Um, but you're going to have a chance to come out and do it all over again. Uh, we got 54% for this in 2020. Let's see if we can get 60% and shove it up Christy Nome's nose. <laughs> Oh man, I I, I like I, I feel like Chris Crane as a man is evolving and becoming <laughs> just a little bit more open and 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 loose with his verbiage. Uh, I, I I love it. I'm a big supporter of this, <laughs> especially when it comes to to South Dakota because I I remember when that happened was I was like this is horseshit. <laughs> It's outrageous. Absolutely yeah. outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. To see a governor just blatantly violate the will of the people like that, um, it, it, it's outrageous. And, you know, again, I mean, I, re I really hope they can pass the 60% threshold this time because mm -hmm. it would be very difficult for the governor to you know, undermine the will of the voters twice, especially when they, especially if they can pass it with that overwhelming of a margin. So get out and force South Dakotans, get out there. Prove to me you belong. Prove prove to me and all of us that you belong as your own state, um, separate from your northern brethren, and uh, and and pass legal weed for a second time. Let's do this. Amen. Let's go. 
All right. Uh, for my finishing move, um, let's see. Going a little off the cuff here. Um, when I was in New York, uh, I, I I happened one of the days to be wearing a T-shirt to the conference uh, under my blazer, uh, one that might be defined as kind of like a anti-racism T-shirt. Um, you know, there was just all these terms that were struck out on the shirt, and uh, someone uh, approached me um, of of kind of a, a light-skinned natured person um, and said, <laughs> "Oh wow." That's a great T-shirt, very very 2020. And I very paused. 2020. I paused for a moment uh, and tried to like not rage on this person. Uh, I think his intention was actually good. He was just naive. Uh, and I told him that racism very much persisted beyond 2020 and continues to be an issue. And his perception that it was a 2020 issue is the issue. Um. And I just, I, I feel like uh, that people need to know that like racism hasn't gone anywhere and in fact continues to be a big problem and that we need to be cognizant of it and that we need to put forth perpetual uh, efforts into highlighting it and fighting against it. And uh, one of the positive ways we, I, I have chosen to continually uh, fight against it is in how we build uh, our, our workforce at, at Vertosa. Uh, something we are very proud of is that we've been fiercely dedicated to building an equitable and representative company, uh, one that represents uh, the ideals that we all talk about so much, especially in the cannabis industry, uh, a, a workforce that represents the community that, that we serve and support. Um, and we track it. We have metrics that we report to the public, that we report to our team, um, and we I encourage anyone that's still listening to this, this late in the show, uh, if you work for a cannabis company, encourage them to do the same um, so that people know that they can belong at your company and have a place and a way to elevate in this industry that we're trying to create. Um, at Vertosa, we currently um, have 45% of our team that identifies as, as female, 44% uh, of our team identifies as BIPOC. And and nine percent uh, that currently identifies as LGBTQ uh, plus, and so these are things that we continually update and continually track. And if we start to fall behind, what we feel falling behind, then we systemically change. We go back and ensure that we're recruiting from pools of people and creating access, and not coming up with lame excuses. In the name of capitalism. So that's my finishing move. Do better, everyone. All right. Rant over. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, Heather, uh, Chris, it's it's been a pleasure as it always is. It's good to be back in the host seat. It's been a little while. Uh, thank you guys so, so much. Uh, it's been super valuable. Thank you to Shay and the team uh, for the production work that makes all of us sound so darn good and Overclock Remix for the amazing tunes. Thank you to all of our sponsors for their generosity in keeping the mics and lights on. And of course, thank you, our awesome listeners. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes so that other cannabis nerds can tune in and stay current on the latest industry news. Most importantly, Marijuana Nation, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Marijuana Today and that you have a slightly less crazy marijuana tomorrow.
One take, Shay. One take.